foremostly, I want to begin by wishing you a wonderful Holy Lenten period. That this period will be a time of self-realization, uh, a time of reconciliation with yourself and try as much as possible to reconcile with people around you and also reconcile with God and find a place for your strength. Find a place where you find yourself and the affirmed person that you are in Christ Jesus. So have a wonderful, wonderful 40 days of praying and penancing. The burning of ashes yesterday at Shrove Tuesday by our dear rector Kate after pancakes and all we went out to witness and to be part of the burning of the ashes. I watched as palm branches were turned into ashes. The process that the palms were being transformed into ashes. Obviously, it became irretrievably transformed to one substance that would not be retrieved. Ashes are a sign of death. Ashes are a sign of hopelessness. We all know that. That when something burns to the point of ashes, there is no turning back. It is done, it's ashes, it's finished, it's over. That's what life was meant to be because of sin. Some of you are familiar with the phrase beauty from ashes, which is sometimes also is found in the Bible in Isaiah 61 when God says, I'll exchange your ashes for beauty. I'll give you beauty for your ashes. That phrase invokes a sense of comeback, of a phoenix rising from destruction, of finding something good in the midst of so much evil. Beauty for ashes invokes a sense of hopefulness. Throughout history, ashes have represented loss and mourning. So the idea of finding beauty rising out of the ashes strikes a code of hopefulness within us. And the reason why we are here, we are playing in between hopelessness and hopefulness. We recognize that as the state of our, our humanity had gotten to a point of hopelessness, but somehow within that dearth, within that hopelessness, God has communicated a sense of hopefulness Starting today, into the next 40 days minus the weekends, 
our focus and that of the global church will be on two issues. From today, we are invited to focus on two things. The first is to gaze and look straight into the problem of sin. And there's going to be too much talk of sinfulness, of sin all these 40 days. So we're going to be looking at the problem of sin. And on the other hand, we are also, be, we are also invited to look at the abundance of God's mercies. And that's what Lent is all about. Lent is about sin, the problem of sin, and the abundance of God's mercies. And so, if we remove the abundance of God's mercies, we will be pointing at each other. We will be blaming at each other. We'll be trying to look at each other's fault and we'll be weighing who has more sins, who has sinned more, who has done so much damage. But Lent also allows us to be gracious, to stand on the pedestal of mercy and to feel the need to repent. So I want you to keep that in mind that focus is on the problem of sin and the abundance of God's mercy. Through prayer and penance, we will be seeking God's merciful intervention in our deprivation, in our depravity. We'll be saying, God, come through, forgive us. And remember, we are using the word plural mostly because we acknowledge the depravity of this world because of sin. We will be looking at our corrupt human nature. Beloved, remember that prayer, fasting, and penance during this time of Lent are just activities, but the ultimate aim of this season is to overwhelm our sinfulness with the abundance of God's grace. It's not just about staying away from chocolate. It is about aiming to face this cancerous problem of sin in human nature. What is sin anyway? Sin in simple terms is rebellion against God and humanity. Just a simple definition from my perspective. It is rebellion against God and humanity. The summary of the law that Jesus said was that you shall love the Lord your God with all your soul and with all your heart and with all your might. And he also says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
So if that law is the ultimate commandment, it means that it reconciles us to God and to each other. So anything that breaks that reconciliation, rather that relationship with God and each other is what we call sin. We rebel against each other. God called us into a community, into a relationship with him and with each other. And we know the consequences of that broken relationship, the blame game. This woman, this man, this people, that community, we begin to blame each other. When we break that law of relationship with God, we begin to see the fullness of sin in us. Let me quickly just talk about the problem of sin. Three things that come to mind. Number one, sin destroys. It destroys relationships. It destroys communities. Think of individuals, families, communities, and nations that have been destroyed because of greed, selfishness, adultery, hatred, dissensions, pride, corruption, and the like. All these sins have brought nations down. They've broken families, they've broken communities, they've broken relationships because of sin. When greed shows up, when malice shows up, when hatred shows up, communities are destroyed. Individuals are destroyed. Sin destroys. We all know that. We don't need a theological explanation how it destroys. We know it. We see it. When crime is in our community, we know how many people are destroyed. When there is sin, there is destruction. And that's why we need to face it. That's why we don't need to shy away to call it out. When there are injustices, when somebody is enslaving another community, that scene destroys. We can't keep quiet. We need to call it out. We need to repent. We need to call the world to repentance. And that's what the church is called to do. Scene does not just destroy, it kills. Sin kills. We know that. We are in the middle of a war in Europe. In the 21st century, out of pride, or whatever it is, out of greed, I come from Africa where I see so many people dying because of sin of corruption. How leaders dress up in suits and drive nice cars at the expense of the majority. And the poor people who suffer because of such, they even applaud those who wear suits. Sin has killed so many people in this world. More than any pandemic. 
how many people steal things that belong to the community. And that's why, as a church, we need to advocate the eradication of sin from our society. Think of how much life has been lost because of human depravity. How much killing is being done for the sake of self-preservation. People want to preserve themselves and they kill just because they want to be to be to leave. I just want you to see how much sin it's not only spiritual death but the effects of sin in a community. You get people shooting at each other. You get people not respecting each other. You got people not even living at peace because they fear that among us ourselves there's somebody who is going to shoot. We need to pray that God should have mercy and forgive us. Sin does not only destroy and kill, but sin robs. It takes away what is ours. It robs people of joy. It robs people of peace. It robs people of love. Think of people who have been robbed of their joy because of an evil person that stole the treasure from them. It robs the peace of people. People can't even celebrate who they are. They have to be in a corner because somebody who is a cantankerous, who has some sin, will come and... And, and threaten them to, to be killed. It robes. It kills. It destroys. But thank you to Jesus. Because he came to restore this. And he says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. That is the mercies of God to bring back the joy to the world, to bring back the peace. Think about Christmas. He came that there will be peace and joy to the world. The Lord has come. He came to restore. He came to kick out sin. And that's why he went into a process of also dealing with sin for 40 days. Being tempted. Dealing with this cancer. Trying to have authority over it. Because he understood the power that the sin was, had enslaved creation. And please note that the problem of sin is not just an individual issue. It's not just like, oh, this is my problem. This is my sin. It is a societal problem. We all get affected. And that's why in the tradition of the Old Testament, they would call an assembly like, that, like the church is doing and say, come and let us pray. We hear Isaiah saying, let us Declare a fast unto the Lord. Let us ask for his forgiveness. Trying to face this monster 
in our midst. So it is a problem of society. You can't even hide. You can't even stay away because you don't know what your neighbor is going to do. And that's why we need not forget our task as a church to try to bring people to the reconciling love of God. We are all effectively affected by each other's sin. We need to understand that, that we belong to each other. Just as an individual sin will have a spillover effect into the wider community, so our individual piety can equally positively benefit the broader community. What I'm saying is that if there be one sinner in a community, let there be a one righteous man, woman in society that we may counter the sins of our community, of our nations. We're still dealing with the sins of slavery, the sins of overlooking at it, of, 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 of uh, marginalizing people, of hurting people. Remember that even though sin can seem so overwhelming, God's mercy is greater and in abundance. So I'm not trying to give you a hopeless situation. I'm trying to help us to see that there is a hope even in the midst of a world that looks like it's in a state of ashes. Even though this world may look as dead and hopeless as ashes, God can bring beauty out of it. And we are a testimony of people who've been loved and have received that love and, have, and God has given us, has shown us mercy and that's why we are where we are today. Therefore, like in the words of prophet Isaiah, today, standing on the platform of God's mercy, let us denounce sin and disassociate ourselves from every evil that is destroying, killing, and robbing our humanness. Ash Wednesday and Lent reminds us that we can do something to restore the beauty of humanity and creation. And that's why we will be praying these 40 days. And that's why you will stay away from chocolate or hot or, or beer or uh, I don't know what you're giving up for Lent. It's not just for fun. It is about a protest before God says, God, please have mercy on us. You may not be living in sin, which I know we don't do because we are good people. But I'm talking about the sin for the world. It might be a good opportunity to do some disciplines of reaching out to those that you are not reconciled with, making peace. It could be a good time for you to pray 
for that child, that, that, that parent that you have lost because there is just something that happened in bet between the two of you or between families and praying for reconciliation. And so we will stand and kneel before God and say, Lord, have mercy on us. And that's the song, that's the prayer we're going to have throughout this Lenten season. It's about restoration. It's about getting over and above. Sin should never destroy us. Sin should never kill us. Sin should never rob us of our peace, of who we are, because God has given us so much mercy. There is mercy for everyone. Mercy for the addicts, for the drug addicts. Mercy for the dying. Mercy for those who are, in, who are living in, in, in so much sin. Let's remember that there is mercy for everyone. A blessing led to you all.